many individuals try to find success on a daily basis. But what defines this success? Where does it come from? When you find a passion in your life and pursue this passion, everything can come together to form success. This is Taking Care of Business with David Wallach. Our guests will motivate you to take the next step to your success. Now, here's your host, David Wallach. Good morning, y'all. It's uh, Tuesday morning in North America, which means we are back here with our weekly radio talk show, uh, Taking Care of Business. My guest this morning is Walker McKinley, partner founder of the McKinley Burkhardt Architecture and Interior Design. Uh, Mark uh, Burkhardt, the other half of the partnership, was traveling, and even though we will miss him here on the show, we will mention him along uh, our interview a few times. Uh, Good morning, Walker. Good morning. Um, As usual, we begin with a short introduction uh, of Mark and Walker. Um, To be kind of honest, it was very hard to get their bio as they are extremely busy working um, or have completed projects, uh, I would say, and and working in 22 cities and in nine countries. Um, and, uh, you know, at the same time, they're also in the process of opening or just opened their new uh, Vancouver office, which we'll talk about later. We'll start with Mark, even though he's not here, we will mention sure. his bio, if you don't mind, Walker. Of course. <laughs> um, Mark is uh, in charge of design with the McKinley Burker team. Uh, he formed a design team with Walker in 1997 and has since won uh, accolades and international recognitions for his project. Mark holds a, master, a master's in architecture from the University of Calgary. Some of Mark's uh, awards and honors are uh, the Royal Architecture Institute of Canada Gold Medal, the American Institute of Architecture Medal, uh, Prairie Design Award of Excellence, and International Lighting Association Award of Excellence. I didn't know there is such an uh, award. Nor did we. <laughs> so we won it. Uh, Mark is a member of the Royal Architectural Institute of Canada, as well as a member of Architectural Association of Alberta and Manitoba and British Columbia. Mark is married and have a boy and a girl. Boy and a girl. Um, Let's talk about you, Walker. Sure. (laughs) Uh, Walker is uh, heading the uh, strategy and business development for McKinley Burkhardt. Walker holds a master's with distinction, I should mention, of design studies from Harvard University and a master of architectural design with honors, of course, uh, from (laughs) University of Calgary. Previously, Walker served as an uh, instructor in architectural design in the Faculty of Environmental Design at the University of Calgary. Currently, he serves as an instructor in in interior design at Mount Royal University. Walker is a member of the Royal Architectural Institute of Canada, like his partner. He's a counselor at Architectural Association of Alberta, and he's a member in three provincial associations, uh, Ontario, British Columbia, and and Manitoba. Walker is also a board member, a board member, Sits on the board of directors of uh, Hunan's International Piano Competition. Oh, you! I, I've, t- I've stepped off the board. Oh, I see. <laughs> Too busy these days. Uh, so that's why you didn't uh, update your bio. It is not updated. <laughs> and uh, as well on the board of directors of Alberta Ballet. I was. Okay. Uh, Walker is married and have one daughter. Once again, uh, Walker, good morning and thank you for hosting us here at your really beautiful office. Thank you. Um, as I mentioned earlier, it was very hard to get your bio, uh, and you were traveling, I can understand, and Cassandra, with all her efforts, uh, found some information about you, but we would like, and our listeners love to, to know more about the person we interview, and, and 
before we jump into business, uh, let's kind of uh, find out who Walker is. And sure. where, where did Walker come to? Uh, come from, sorry. Um, so where did you grow up? So uh, I grew up in Calgary. I, I was born in Edmonton, but barely remember living there. Uh, grew up my whole life here. What age uh, did you move here? I think I was in grade three. Okay. So, so you you want to forget Edmonton. I want to forget Edmonton, I see, yes. okay. <laughs> Most Calgarians are embarrassed to say that from Edmonton. <laughs> um, what kind of uh, kid were you growing up? Hyper, quiet, gig, social animal? I think I was a pretty good kid, very active, uh, did a lot of sports. Um, oh, what kind of sports were you active in? Uh, played hockey, did martial arts, played football, soccer, so as many as I could. Which one were, were the best for you? Um, probably martial arts. I continued doing those longer than other things, but I played hockey pretty seriously till I was 16. What kind of belt do you have? What kind of color? I had a color? black belt in Taekwondo. Oh, black belt. Okay, like my daughter. She yeah. also has a black oh, really? belt in Taekwondo. And Lara, like our executive producer, Mar- uh, Winston, that he also has a black belt. Uh, it's been a long time, but I, at one time <laughs> I was good at it. Uh, maybe I'll, uh, you know, when I have to talk with uh, my executive producer, Winston, and both of you have black belt, maybe I'll let you be in the room. <laughs> uh, so where did you go to high school? I went to Lord Beaverbrook High School in, in Calgary. South Calgary, yes. And uh, how would you describe those years? Um, just active. I was a, kind of a weird kid maybe in that I did very well academically, but I was also kind of a jock and also kind of a music nerd. It was the time of punk rock and <laughs> skateboarding, and I was involved in that culture, and so I was uh, very busy. I see. And uh, any extra curriculum? Like, did you work after work or volunteer work or yes, I just worked. made some money? I worked. Uh, I delivered pizza in high school. And uh, I've, I've always worked. I've never really had a moment of not working since I could work. Um, Why is that? Like ADD? ADHD? Yeah, <laughs> well, how do you describe yourself? Or if, you know, let me ask you differently. If I call one of your teachers or one of your high school mates, what do they say about Walker? What kind of guy was he? I think they'd say I was funny. Actually. In what way? I don't know. I just was. I've always been a joker, jokes, and yeah, <laughs> and lighthearted, and and I was an athlete, and yeah. And uh, you know, are you still an athlete, or no. you, you gave up on that? <laughs> I think you could see I'm no longer an athlete. <laughs> well, uh, the reason I ask Those is days yeah. The reason I ask because uh, there I see here we're sitting in the boardroom and there's a beer uh, faucet here, and I'm going, hmm, that's interesting for an athlete. Mm-hmm. Uh, the athlete days are over. <laughs> <laughs> I see. Um, and um, when did you decide? When did you decide uh, that uh, you know? Uh, architecture is the one thing you want to do like you, you finish high school and then what so I think like a lot of people I knew it was assumed you would go to university whether you knew what you wanted to do or not I went to the local university you see um, I think I always knew I wanted to be an architect but I didn't really understand the path to getting there okay so so, so when you say you always knew when is it age 12 14 15 yeah what, what kind of if in, in hindsight, what made you understand that you want to be an architect? I think in hindsight, I always loved beautiful things and art and buildings. And I didn't, as a young person, didn't really know what that meant. There weren't architects in my family. Um, in fact, neither of my parents went to university. They were both farm people. They grew up on farms in Alberta. Mm-hmm. And so there wasn't a kind of guidance around how you would get to that place. But I sort of stumbled along. I did a, 
fine arts and art history undergrad, not really knowing why, but I loved art history. It turned out to be a, a great foundation for architecture, understanding culture and having all these um, sort of periods of history to reference and, and know about. And Mark actually also has an undergrad in art history. It's been a kind of common point for us. I see. You mentioned your parents that <coughs> they were from uh, people from mm-hmm. Alberta. And, and what did they do when they moved here? Uh, my father was a realtor eventually when he was here. You might remember if you were here back then, there was a residential real estate company called Checkerboard. She became quite big at one point and then that's before my time here before your time here yeah yeah, yeah. and uh, and mom um, mom worked in an engineering company started as a receptionist ended up as their business development executive mm-hmm. um, so they were both entrepreneurial hardworking I think those parts of them are definitely in me I my see. dad's very entrepreneurial man I see and uh, so that kind of uh, helped you when you decided to become an entrepreneur that you saw it in your family Yeah, I think maybe, but not explicitly. I never thought of it that way, and, and certainly I never went to them for guidance. I, I went off to university. They were very supportive, but mm-hmm. uninterested in a sense. And uh, by the time I finished my undergrad, I knew that architecture was where I wanted to go. Okay, so what was the next step? I did a master's in architecture at U of C. And then from there, I also did industrial design while I was doing that. Um, and then I went to Harvard from there and did a master's in design studies focused on architectural theory with mm-hmm. um, film studies as well, film and theory. So between the undergrad and the master's, you didn't go for any kind of work experience? You went from school to school? I did. I took one year off. I went on a school trip to Morocco in a summer during my undergrad and decided to stay. So I stayed in Morocco for a year and a bit. Um, so that was my one period where I wasn't working or yeah. going to school and then I just went all the way through so what did you do in Morocco for one year the, instead of uh, I mean there's they have good food there's lots to do yeah yeah. Well, yeah there's good food there but what else so the professor who had taken us um, on this school trip in the summer was a retiring Dean of anthropology he was staying on to study the music of the indigenous people mm-hmm. and I got to know him during the summer so I decided to stay help him out a bit and And then just kept staying because it was very inexpensive at that time so I, I took a year off school and just hung out <laughs> I see and um, you know Morocco has some uh, very old kind of art and or, or mm. design looking back does it influence your kind of thinking on our architecture today sure I think for me everything influences the kind of work we do and What we do is so involved in sort of cultural expression. We're doing food and beverage and hospitality. And, and so we're always aware of different cultures. And, you know, Morocco is all about color and pattern and, and sort of layered spaces. And that comes into some of our projects. So you came back uh, after a year and straight to school? Back to school, finished my undergrad, straight into my first master's, and then actually overlapped. My second master slightly with my first. So how many years in total did you go to school? From when I started to when I finished, it was 11 years. Wow, crazy. How did you finance that? Uh, working, loans, I had some scholarships, especially at Harvard, I had some scholarships. Did you pay back your loans? My just loans just checking, just back. checking, I don't care. <laughs> since, I, since, since I didn't loan you the money, it's not my issue. <laughs> um, okay, so 
you uh, have your undergrad, you go for a year to Morocco, you come back, you do your master's, and, and basically you don't have a lot of like actual work experience in, in architecture. I've, world. I've never had a job in architecture. So, so okay, you have now the two diploma, the two masters. Yes. What's next? What do you do next? How do you get into the architectural business world? So I have a very unusual path. Um, so I, I, while I was finishing my first master's, I was a teaching assistant, and Mark Burkhart was one of the students in the class that I helped teach. Um, Mark was going to Cuba on a trip. I overheard this. I didn't really know him, and I asked him to buy me some cigars. He came back, and we spent a week smoking cigars and drinking rum and getting to know each other and deciding we had shared a lot of views of what we thought an architecture could be. Um, At the same time, a friend of mine opened a little bar um, locally and asked me to design it. So we, I asked Mark to help me. We started doing that and work just kept coming. Um, So we were still in school and just kept going. Now we're 40 or 50 people in two cities and neither of us ever had a job in an office, so which was a challenge. We had to have a kind of a unique way of getting our practice, our, our professional mm-hmm. hours logged and everything to become professional architects. So you mentioned you, you met Mark uh, when you were teaching or an, an, an assistant, assistant yeah. and he was a student mm-hmm. um, and um, you, you spend a week having fun, yes. whatever you smoke, you smoke, and uh, whatever you drink, you drink. And so how did this all kind of conversation started? And how did this whole conversation, okay, you know, we shouldn't go and work for anyone else. We should just, you know, work for ourselves. And so that's one. And, and, and the other question is, uh, part of it is, did you get support from your family? Because when I went to become an entrepreneur, my father didn't sleep for three weeks. Mm. <laughs> Um, no, neither of us had families who were in a position to support us at that moment. Um, and we didn't decide to go start a business. It was more that we shared views about design and we started getting work and the work started winning awards and getting published. So we kept getting more work. So at some point we had to figure out how to run an office and be business people. That kind of came later. It was very much about the the projects when we started. So your first project were projects, I think you mentioned the first one was a pub? Uh, a little lounge called the Mercury. The Mercury, and then number two was? A number of food and beverage, uh, a place called Pongo, which was a noodle house. Uh, so they, those two uh, venues were designed, were in the living room, a garage? Yes, we were working in my apartment dining room, and Mark was still living at the... Uh, student housing at the university with he had a young family so he had a a largish um university housing place so we worked in both of our homes i see and 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 it's what what was it kind of a growth by word of mouth uh yes i'd say word of mouth and then we were lucky enough to get published in some national and international magazines some of the projects which brought us bigger clients Mm -hmm. and and so when you, you start, you go and, and I found a name that I didn't see before when we did our research, MDB. Yes, so we started as McKinley Dang Burkhardt. And the Dang was a woman named Nam Dang, who was a girlfriend of mine. 
so we were living together at the time and she was part of the design group. Um, Nam has gone on, she's still a great friend of both of us and has gone on to have a fabulous career as a residential interior designer. So what did MDB do, just interior design? To begin with, yes, because we weren't professional architects. And then we, the, the dean of the architecture school that we both went to retired and I ran into him, his name's Dale Taylor. He's a great mentor of both of us. Um, he didn't know what he wanted to do with his time, so we convinced him to start a company called 1111 with us so that we could work under him to get the hours that we needed to become professional architects. Oh, I see. So you have to have a certain amount of hours to be... Takes a couple years and take exams then. And to get a designation as yes. an architect. And so when did you guys get your designation as architects? I don't remember, to be honest. Mark You're was... You're not too old, buddy. <laughs> Mark was <laughs> earlier than myself. I only did it five or six years ago. I, I, we only needed one of us to have it, so... And, and you were I, happy to postpone yours and travel. I was just busy. <laughs> but I finally did it. And, uh, so I guess you keep yourself busy all the time. That's why you, I couldn't get a bio. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and and, and uh, I see that you are travel. You, you postpone everything that you can <laughs> to the last minute. I see. So you, you got uh, your uh, – Mark got his architectural designation, and, and then you start McKinley Burker? Or it took him more time? I think um, – you know, I'm trying to remember the dates, but I would say 10 years into doing what we were doing and we'd grown, we had 11-11 as a way to do that. We had probably eight people working in the office. I think we both had a kind of crisis around the business side of, we, we suddenly were like, you know, we don't know what we're doing. Um, we're, we're doing great projects, we're good designers, but this is kind of a gong show. We, we're not business people. So at that time, I just and, and I'd always really resisted the kind of language of MBAs and the books on business always sounded kind of cheesy to me and I had really kind of resisted engaging that world through that crisis I decided you know we have to clean it up we started McKinley Burkhart got rid of the other companies became just McKinley Burkhart and I started I jumped in deeply into what I would have called cheesy books and read hundreds of business books. I joined entrepreneurs organization. I uh, got some mentors in business and it turns out that, you know, that was what I really love. Okay. Uh, we're kind of coming to our first commercial break. Uh, make sure to open a new tab and check www.mckinleyburkhart.com. Follow them on Twitter, like them on Facebook, follow them on Instagram, and we'll be we will be back here at the other side of the commercials. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480 294 
888-346-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You are tuned into Taking Care of Business with David Wallach. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to dvwallach at gmail.com. That's D-I-V-I Wallach at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's show. Uh, we're back with our guest, uh, Walker McKinley, owner, partner, and founder uh, of McKinley Burkhart Architects and Interior Design. Um, we, we just uh, chatted before the commercial about uh, how you met uh, Mark and, and, and how this whole thing started. But if I, you know, partnerships are, I would say, collapse more than stay together. For sure. And, 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 and you guys are, how many years together? 20 years next year. 20 years next year. Um, so what did you find in Mark that made you comfortable as a as an entrepreneur to start a partnership with him? I think, uh, you know, we've been asked this question many times because you're right, partnerships fail so often. And I always say that, we're lucky in that we share a lot of values, but not a lot of skill sets. So things that I'm very good at, Mark is less comfortable doing, things he's very good at, I don't do as well as he does, and I really respect how he does them. And yet we always kind of reflect back on the same values. I think we also fight well. I think it's similar to a, a marriage in that you have to like be able to have disagreement and know how to get around it or, or get through it and Fighting well is an important part of partnerships, I think. Well, you know, my son just got married this weekend, <laughs> and I had to do the father of the groom speech. And, yeah. I, and I told him my advice was, uh, and, and I have to ask you who is using the advice I gave him is, I told him, if you have an argument with Megan, your wife, you use, I'm sorry, <laughs> yes, dear, and you're right, and you and it's okay. So <laughs> who, who in your partnership uses those words? That's true until she clues in <laughs> and knows that you're just saying it. Then you have to actually work through it. <laughs> so is it Mark or you who have to use those words? You know, we actually have a series of, of sort of ways to get out of debates where we will say, one of us will say, 
I disagree, but I don't care that much about this. You can have this one. And we'll always do this. And at some point we'll be like, dude, you've had too many. It's my yeah. turn. And so I think that always helps. We have very healthy debates. So how many times did you say, I disagree, but I'll go with you. And then when it didn't go right, you said, I told you. Very few. <laughs> I think we debate enough that usually we land on the right, I see on the it. right thing. And, and that's great. Like, uh, so the debate, is it just the two of you? You involve more people? Do you have a referee, an empire? <laughs> <laughs> we, we, nowadays, we involve more people. Some of our executive are very much in the middle of it and have to put up with our ways of <laughs> debating. So each, each partner brings his army yes, to the I, table? Yes, of course. I, <laughs> and sometimes there's, in particular, a, a woman named Jen Lemke, who's the director of our interiors studios, is often the referee. <laughs> <laughs> I see. Um, you mentioned that you share a lot of values, common mm. values, but you also have different uh, skill sets. Mm -hmm. Can you elaborate what is... What are Mark's strengths and what are your strengths and how you kind of combine both of sure. them for the purpose of growing the company and make it a better company? So I think I've always been the sort of face of the company. I, I like to talk. I Really? Uh, I didn't <laughs> notice that. I, uh, I think through talking, I'm a very extroverted person. Mark is much more introverted. He likes to think through drawing, through working on design. He's much more often at his desk than I am. I'm out talking. Um, so it's been a great, one of us is always here. We're rarely both here. Um, and with that said, we're, we share every decision. There's almost never a, an important decision that we wouldn't talk to each other about. Um, so yeah, it's always been sort of like that. More and more Mark is becoming more extroverted as he's had to as we're having two offices and he's becoming a great business development person which wasn't his strength particularly early on but he's very much stepped into that role so, so you do it through talking does he do it through his work yeah i think in the work you know i'm involved in the work it's he's more hands-on for good sure to know. <laughs> I'm, i'm always involved at a high level um you know in the conceptual design side of things um and nowadays mark even less in in producing, we have a team of technical experts and architects and interior designers who who are better at crossing T's and dotting I's than either of us ever were. Perfect. So um, if I ask him when we uh, finish the interview, yeah. he's back in the office, uh, what he found comfortable in you is that he found comfortable working with you is that your strength can complete him. I, I would hope he would. I think he'd say <laughs> I'm a pain. A pain. I'm a... Uh, I'm an agitator, and I think it gets tiring, but uh, I, I think he values it. We're still here together. So before I, I – uh, my next question is, is – or two questions for now is, I want to ask you what about, what's unique about uh, uh, McKinley sure. Burkett, but before that. So why didn't you go to one of the bigger firms, both of you? What was it that, you know, either stopped you or – I mean, I don't, I don't know if I believe in fate. I, I honestly, we, it felt like we didn't have a chance. We got started getting work, and it was like, a, it just kept rolling. So it didn't occur to you and you, to both of you to go it, and work. I guess it must have occurred. You know, we we didn't have all the skill sets, and I think you know, leaning towards your next question about the, what's unique, I think the fact that neither of us knew what a architectural firm was supposed to look like was a great weakness but also a tremendous strength. We were able to make it up and we we're quite different in the way we operate. 
than other firms, partially because we had no idea. So let, let's go into what what's unique about McKinley Burkett, and, and did you create your own blue ocean? Yeah, I think in many ways we did. We're, I mean, we're unique in that we're architecture and interiors at a level that most firms can't do both at the same kind of design quality. A good architecture firm will often have an interiors department, but it's usually under the architects. We do them both very much equally, very collaboratively. Um, I think we're unique in that we think like a small firm in terms of design and team and our culture, but like a very large firm in terms of process, professionalism, um, you know, getting things done. Um, and we really, our work is always rooted in a kind of the user and an experience and how it feels to be in the spaces that we make. We're, we're never interested in like what the object looks like, mm-hmm. but instead we're, we always have the minds of people who are going to be in the spaces, which sounds easy and sounds like it should be always, but it's unique. I think. Um, you mentioned the word culture. The word culture. Mm. Um, uh, can you elaborate a little bit about the the uniqueness of your culture here as as an architecture firm? Sure. Um, I mean, you you could ask our team, but I think we have a very strong, healthy culture. We are we're very work life balanced place. We have soccer team and a bowling team and community bikes and and fruit programs every week for people to have snacks and a great social program around, well, we, we design a lot of beer halls and, and bars and restaurants. There's a big food culture here. So you go and taste everything we to taste, make sure that it's not, uh, that it's working there's well. There's a lot of parties. There's a lot of, uh, and, and people just, you know, they're, it's a young crew. They're very engaged with each other and, and always doing things together. I see. Um, so in the mer- in the this kind of uh, world, I would say business environment of mergers, acquisitions, big whales, big companies. Um, how does uh, you know a company like yours, which started in Calgary, which I don't think is famous for architecture no, in the world? No, not so far. <laughs> <laughs> I'm being polite, right? <laughs> um, so how do you guys compete in this world? Um, I mean, the work always speaks for itself in the end. So we're always judged by our projects. Um, and, and I think in how we compete with the, the big boys, and we often do, is, you know, I've always said that we're like special ops, that some of the big firms are more like infantry. If you need that big power, they're your man. But if you want a nimble, smart crew to get in and get things done and do really unique things, that's our wheelhouse. So you're the Navy SEALs also. So we're the Navy SEALs. I see. That's how we talk about ourselves. <laughs> and and, and uh, when you started uh, in your living room and Mark's mm. uh, uh, student housing, was there a mission, a vision, a purpose, or it came later? I think the shared vision was that when we were in architecture school, it felt very much like architecture had become very insular and, and kind of navel-gazing profession that was very interested in itself and architects were designing buildings for other architects. So we had this vision that that there was another world that was about film and fashion and restaurants and how people live and that architecture and interior should be about that. And so everything we've done since then has been in support of that idea. It still drives what we're doing. That's a very interesting comment uh, that you made. Uh, you know, we, we're, we're in the real commercial real estate arena, my mm. company, and we sometimes see 
designed by architects and we go, how the hell are we going yeah. to list this space? Yeah. It was built for a magazine, architectural exactly. magazine, and not day-to-day uh, exactly. use. And you know, and it's a, it's a tension and a balance because you want beautiful things and sometimes beautiful things aren't entirely efficient, but without any interest in how it will be used, you know, we've always felt like it's a... So... Now, do you guys have your mission, vision, purpose as a company? If I ask you to repeat them, can you? Um, I can. Or we have to call Mark. I absolutely can. <laughs> we do. I, I mean, our, our mission is to make the ordinary extraordinary. That's, oh, wow. That is what we tell our staff. It's in, our, in our, all of our internal publications. And, and I think it's all related to that same idea of taking everyday activities like dining or going to the golf course or going to the office and making them meaningful and, and amazing. So making the ordinary, the ordinary extraordinary. extraordinary. So did you guys come up with this or you involved more people in getting the mission, vision and purpose for the company? We have a yearly retreat with our executive, which is small. There's five of us usually, six of us who go away for a day or two and we develop these kinds of internal value systems and you know, we've always had the same values. It's about putting it down. And um, you mentioned you are uh, part of EO organization, entrepreneur. I've recently left EO. I, oh, okay. I, I got a lot of. So EO. everything in your bio is not <laughs> oh, updated. You left the Hunan. You left uh, the ballet. You left EO, and it's still on your bio. I'll have it updated today. Okay, uh, Cassandra, can we check yes, tomorrow please, that it's updated? Please remind me. <laughs> um, so I joined EO. It was an amazing experience for me. I had a great forum, and then there were particularly a couple of people in the forum who I learned a lot from. How many years were you part of the EO? Four, I think. Um, and and I didn't leave it for any reason other than the fact that we were so busy that it was hard to commit the time. And that in the beginning, only I did it. Um, Mark was busy with other initiatives here. Someone had to work. Someone had to work. Um, and it was getting harder and harder to download the things that I was learning and it was starting to be, at first it was very easy and I could bring it back and say, hey, Mark, can we talk about it and make it our own? Yeah, yeah. As time went on, it felt like we needed to do some things more together to stay more aligned. And so we did some other coaching. Do you guys things. work with a business coach, the two of you? We have. We're not at the moment. Um, well, it's not on your bio, so no. it's, you don't have to update I don't even it. have to, like, cancel that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But did you guys worked for a while with the one business coach for both of you, for the company? We did, yes, together. Was it for the company or for you as individuals? Both, but for the company predominantly, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, and, and kind of what, you know, our, our, t- our show here is to uh, give advice and motivate some entrepreneurs or people who want to become mm. entrepreneurs. Would you recommend a new entrepreneur to join one of those EO, Vistage Tech, work with a business coach? What, what would you, from your experience, kind for of advice? Me, for me, it was invaluable. I, I, I learned so much from my forum in EO. And, you know, because I was such a beginner, I was like eager to soak it all in. And, you know, the, most entrepreneurs will tell you the same thing. It's about passion, about, you know, being willing to take reasonable risk. And then about, you know, performance indicators and metrics. And all of that was new to me yeah. to have that language and to be able to learn those simple, basic rules and customize them to your own business was everything for us. So you did implement some of the stuff that you, you kind of, and do you still use it today? Absolutely. I, I think of us as a very tightly run business now. 
we're very metric oriented on everything, create standards. Um, you know, in a creative business, those things become even more important. Why? Creativity can get away from you. It's it's a time suck often, like especially in conceptual design, it can just eat up hours and hours and hours of talking and trying things. So you need you need a backbone of standards that you can reflect that against to keep things moving and keep things. How tough or easy was it to implement those metrics that you learned in EO outside the office to bring them into an office that is based on creativity and, and, and wild imagination, I would say. It, it, it was tough. Um, <laughs> and, and architects and designers, you know, they were like me, typically didn't go to school to talk about metrics. They went to school to become creative and to build things. And, and so when you start layering on these ideas, it's a, a learning curve. I think what I've learned as a business person is it's always about communicating those changes as an adventure that we're all involved in and not as a, a new change. Mm-hmm. People hate the word change. Even smart, creative people hate the word change. Was Mark supportive or he kind of uh, pushed back at the beginning? I think he's very supportive. Now, but when, when you brought all those ideas. Um, well, they, I mean, they like everything we do, they <laughs> led to debates for sure. I see. <laughs> and and, and we, you had a buy-in from uh, majority? From the important people, yeah. I mean, and eventually everyone. I think that everyone sees the value in these things as they roll out and get communicated properly. But as I say, people hate change. Even you, we're sitting in an expansion of my office, which seeing it now seems natural and awesome and fun. It's small. Yeah. And it created tremendous stress when I said we're going to grow. People would talk, oh, we feel like a family. It's going to be different. It's going to be, and it's like, well, it's, 20 feet from where you sit. <laughs> and now, of course, they, they're happy and, and that adventure... Well, that's where the beer falls. Exactly. Right? That was the main thing. Oh, okay. put the turntable and the beer falls. I the see. Part. Um, we're kind of getting to our second commercial break. Uh, don't forget to log in and uh, follow www.mckinleyburkhart.com. Check their media work page uh, and be ready to get impressed. And check for my update to my CV. Tomorrow. <laughs> yes. We'll give you 24 hours. <laughs> we'll you. be back in three minutes. <laughs> Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Are you finding your frequency? 
It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. tuned into Taking Care of Business with David Wallach. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to dvwallach at gmail.com. That's D-I-V-I-Wallach at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's show. And we are here uh, back with uh, Walker uh, McKinley, uh, partner, owner, founder of McKinley Burkhardt Architectural and Interior Design. And uh, Walker, uh, one um, thing you mentioned before we uh, kind of went to a commercial break was you mentioned mentor, 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 a few times the word mentor. And I want to ask you whether you know whether Mark or you personally or as a company have or had any mentors that influenced you along the way uh, to become uh, who you are? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I can't entirely speak for Mark, but I can a little bit. Um, I mentioned earlier Dale Taylor. 20, mm. 20 years of marriage, yes. buddy. You should know everything. <laughs> it's true. Um, Smoking together for a week, <laughs> drinking together for a week. <laughs> We've been drinking together for 20 years. <laughs> um, Dale Taylor, the retired dean of the architecture school where we both went, was a, a real mentor as we got going in our business. Um, he's retired truly now. From, from working, um, but he remains a, a kind of pillar, a person that we can call when we, especially around professional issues, we'll often call Dale and, and just talk him through with him. I know that's been true. I've had, through my experience in EO, a number of different people kind of act as mentors to me. So, so you think it's a important piece of the puzzle when you want to become an entrepreneur to have people with life yes. experience, business experience, that you can, you know, consult, be your mentors, not be afraid to ask questions. Yeah, I think so much so that we've set up a kind of formalized mentorship program in our firm so that my kind of mantra for it is everyone's a mentor. So like the most junior person can mentor somebody. Um, And so we have a kind of system where when you start, you get a mentor and that changes over time. And and it's been great for both both people, of course. Mm-hmm. Being a mentor helps people rethink what they're doing. Uh, you know, there's one thing I've noticed on your website and uh, when I read uh, the information about Mark, you, and, and especially about the company, uh, McKinley uh, Burkhardt, is you don't you call yourself architectural office. You use the word studio. Mm. Why is that? For two reasons, I think. This balance of interiors and architecture is part of that, that we're not just an architecture studio, it's both. And it's not a 
office in the traditional sense. It's a very collaborative studio. It reminds me more of how I worked in school, open area. I mean, people have five foot wide desks, side by side, elbow to elbow, and they really enjoy it. You can hear other conversations and join them and talk. And we have great ways for people to get out of that when it's too noisy and, and to do kind of focused work. But that studio atmosphere, if, if a person's never been a part of that, it's hard to understand just how fertile it can be for ideas. Um, you know, we discussed there earlier, or we mentioned earlier, the growth you guys are uh, experiencing with 22 cities, hmm. projects in 22 cities, working in nine countries, opening in Vancouver office, and growth can bring its own challenges. For sure. So how do you guys, um, from the studio in Calgary, manage this growth worldwide, mm. uh, nationwide, sure. and new office-wide? <laughs> um, well, we're learning. It's is all pretty new to us. Um, we've been working across Canada for a, a while, um, and that's certainly easier. But globally, I think there's been a number of lessons about local expertise and working with really great local people. Um, we embed our people often. So last year we were working in Shanghai and Seoul and Sao Paulo and Mexico City. And so we would send one of our designers there and they would live in another architect's office for a month and work with them to get the project going. That was a really tremendous way to do this work. Um, and then we're starting to really explore technological, you know, versions of Skype and, mm -hmm. and cameras that are becoming a huge part of, I think face-to-face -face remains so important. So we're trying to repeat that through technology. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have our, we have a Monday morning huddle every Monday, the whole firm comes together for 12 minutes to align on the week. We're now doing that on screen with our Vancouver office. Mm -hmm. So they have to come in a little early. An hour before us. <laughs> That's their problem. <laughs> That's their problem on Monday morning. Um, and did, is it on purpose that you choose only exotic places? Because you didn't mention even one boring city oh, that you were going to. Well, I'm not going to say the boring <laughs> ones because now they'll know I think they're boring. <laughs> we're, we're working everywhere right now. And, and um, how important in your industry or in any industry in today's world do you think uh, social media is and uh, the reason I'm asking is I've been in social media not too active for many years but suddenly I saw your name <laughs> pop up on my Instagram since we know each other I kind of started following yeah. you and now I regret it <laughs> I'm sure um, I, that's a good question we, we resisted social media with an understanding that I see how important it can be for sort of what I would call millennial business and young sort of startup things. It's and and even for big brands that are are speaking to that group, we always felt like you know our clients mostly aren't on social media. They're you're not going to go and build a seventy million dollar building from an Instagram recommendation. So we we never really saw the value. My my staff recently challenged me to go onto Instagram, and so. Like anything, I have a hard time doing anything halfway, which is why I'm, I think, annoyingly active yeah. on, on Instagram. Um, but I am seeing, you know, when I'm out and about, people are like you saying, oh, I saw that on Instagram. I think it does help, you know, tell your story at the very least. We have a cool story right now. So Let, Let's agree that you just don't post your selfies on Instagram, okay? I, I have two <laughs> photos of myself. <laughs> um which I get teased for mercilessly. So where, where do you see McKinley Burkhardt in five and ten years? 
with, I, with the growth you're, you're experiencing, usually it's a kind of a snowball. Mm, I, I, I see that. I mean, we'll see. We want to control it. We think that the kind of culture and the collaborative studio spirit that we have stops above 50 people in any given office. So Calgary will grow to 50 this year. This is why we're in Vancouver next. When it grows to 50, we have to be somewhere else, unless there's good reason before then. I don't think we'd ever be more than 50 in one office. Um, we'd like an international office. We're doing a lot of work in Asia right now. Um, I was just in Seoul for the third time in the last few months, and you know, I think there's so much to do, and it's such a exciting world for design right now that you know, five years from now, I could see having an Asian office. Um, you, in your previous answer, you said that uh, you're trying to create a culture that everybody's a mentor, mm. everybody can mentor. I'm sure that you had some people leave your firm and open their office yes, and, com- and compete with you. Yes. How do you guys deal with that? Mostly we're thrilled for them. And, you know, we compete every day. It's a competitive world that we don't mind that. Um, we're really proud of, you know, I would say in Calgary in particular, there's four or five small, awesome firms that are, you know, our babies. They're really great people who worked for us for many years and we supported them when they went on on their own and we're proud to see the work they're doing. Thrilled. I see. Um, and would the growth and the future growth and working in so many places, how do you keep balance? between life, family, family life, work life, work life? Yeah, um, I think I do, personally. Uh, my family travels with me often. Um, my wife loves travel, so she's <laughs> happy anytime I say um, um, You know, I'm, I'm good at shutting off when I'm not in the office. Mm-hmm. So when I'm with my family, I'm very engaged. I think Mark is very similar. His family travels with him. He's a very active guy on outside of the office. Um, I'd say, you know, my challenge has been health in a way. Like, the, the, my next goal is to get my, my fitness back okay. in balance. Because I'd say the one part of my life that doesn't feel as balanced as it should be has been that. I'm just so busy. And I, I'm sure, you know, you end up eating in restaurants more than you even want to. And well, it's, it's your uh, job, it's right? To try every restaurant that you it guys is, and bar yeah. that you guys uh, design. And you're traveling to meet people, and so of course you go out, and so that's a big challenge, which I'm actually quite consciously working <laughs> on at the moment. Um, you did uh, leave the boards that are still on your bio, uh, Hunan uh, uh, Piano Competition mm-hmm. and uh, Alberta Ballet. How important is it to you, to Mark, to the company, to be involved in volunteer or charity? I think it's really important, and and for us, it's always been like finding the right charities. Um, So, you know, last year we worked with the, uh, not necessarily charities, but the right kind of volunteer volunteer activities. Um, Last year we were involved with Beakerhead. We did a great um, maze made out of recyclable bottles down at Eau Claire. Um, This year we're going to be involved in the warming huts in Winnipeg along the river, which is a great program of little designer huts that people can skate onto the next during the winter festival there. Um, we're designing a stage set for a play right now for free. Um, so our voluntary things tend to revolve around the arts and promoting culture, which is, you know, Calgary doesn't have a lot of really active cultural institutes. So yeah, tell we're, me about we're it. trying to help as many as we can. Uh, 
we're kind of very close to the end of the show. And um, my last two, maybe we'll be able to squeeze the third question, is more about uh, consulting to new entrepreneurs. So along the way, uh, you started by default, uh, you mentioned, and, and, and what are the two or one or two, I would say, hurdles or, or bad choices you made or bad decisions you made along the way that you can consult a new entrepreneur, don't do this mistake because I've done it. Mm. Well, I would say not in, any mistakes I feel are about not moving quick enough. So I'd say like not engaging business norms and standards and practices in many ways. Like I wish I had joined HEO and learned about metrics and about process earlier. I wish I had hired a controller earlier. I had friends who were like, dude, you got to have a controller. And it felt like, well, they're unbillable. Why would I do that? <laughs> and then I got one and it was the best thing I ever did. Um, so I, I think quickly getting a handle on your systems. your basic systems is a big, big thing. It was for me, at least. Um, so that's something you guys didn't do and you recommend. Yeah, somewhere. and I guess maybe our experience was because we were such a gong show before and, that and will you share also one or two things that you did right whether you planned it or it was by default that you say you, you can recommend every entrepreneur you know if you do this your road to success will be faster or your road to mm. stability let's say stability sure. stabilizing your entrepreneurship will be faster I'd say there'd be two things one would be related to the first thing I talked about like find those systems, find predictive indicators of success so that you're adjusting as you go. And then really develop your brand and, and the appropriate, for us, it's the space we're in, it's the art we hang on the wall. It all speaks about our values and culture. I'd say, you know, it can be very different for different companies, but finding that will help your team align and clients align around what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have about uh, a minute, a minute and a half to conclude our show. Sure. And my last question is more for personal level. Um, so if, if I gave you a chance today to meet two or three people, to get them to one of the bars that you designed hmm. for a lunch or a beer, uh, whether dead or alive, people that you find fascinating or you want to learn from or you think will influence <laughs> your life, who are the two or three people that you'll choose? Well, that's a big one. I wish I'd known you were going to ask that. Um, of course, there's... <laughs> I can't share with you everything I do. I want to put you on the spot. There's so many, of course, like, you know, people of past designers, thinkers. Uh, my life revolves around art and, and design, so there's lots of those people. I'll say I was in Seoul recently, and I went in a... There's a new eyewear concept called Gentle Monster, which to me is next level experiential retail at a level it came out of nowhere and I actually just told my wife when you go back to Korea in a month try and find that guy I want to meet him because um, I think he's just I think in two years everyone will know this name Gentle Monster Gentle so if someone knows the owner of Gentle Monster oh, I want to meet him please uh, email <laughs> dvwallack at, uh, at gmail.com and uh, we'll make sure that uh, Walker meets him <laughs> perfect uh, Walker we've reached the end of our show today uh, really I want to thank you for sharing uh, McKinley Burkhardt's story and the road to success 
and and your experience over the years it's it's fascinating and you know we're sitting in a really amazing office here i want to remind uh, our listeners to log into your website www.mckinleyburka.com check the many press releases uh, and, and the work and design and, and be fascinated uh, next Tuesday, I'll be hosting Sue Styles, a business coach and a speaker, owner of Maximized Results. Sue will share her road to independence and successful business. We will discuss her books and work. Uh, I want to thank our listeners. Our growing audience now includes 28 countries and five continents, wow. Africa, Asia, Europe, North and South America. Uh, I'd like to remind you all to uh, like us on Facebook, connect with me on LinkedIn, and follow me on Twitter. And we would love to hear from you on my email, dvwallock at gmail.com. Uh, as usual, thank you, Cassandra Hannison, uh, for your help. Enjoy your uh, well-deserved vacation in Spain. Yes. We'll miss you next week. And thank you uh, to our dedicated engineer, Aaron. I'll meet you here uh, next week, uh, May 23rd, 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific. Your host, David Wallach. Thank you for listening to Taking Care of Business. Please join David Wallach again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until we talk again, make your week as great as you want it.